When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is there any oh, more talent? Another rising star here. Um, new talent from Maspeth, Queens. King of Well, I thought that parties like this were the norm in everyone's house, with all the family and neighbours sitting up, chatting and singing. But I'm probably getting ahead of myself because when I was growing up in the house in Lackenduff, even though it was just Daddy, Mommy, myself and Louis, my uncle, it always felt like our home was bigger than the house. It was all about the ones who came back. I'll sing a little ditty, which Mama says is pretty, about a little kitty who ran away from school. <laughs> Once May came, there would be talk of them coming and preparations began. And last year, even though Daddy is older now, well, we're all older now, he was busy doing the usual things to welcome them home. After the, the before the Yankees give the final touch here, I've done a wee bit of painting and whitewashing there for them. And, you know, we just give them a wee final touch up here now, sweeping up the old dirt and the leaves here and one thing another. So they'll soon, soon be here now, so we're looking forward to them coming. I just put up the flags there, put up the tra- national flag, the tricolour, and we just put up the American one to just give it a little bit of a, a flavour and atmosphere. There were 15 of them <laughs> all together, Betty yeah. and Connie. Mary, then Daddy, Huey, Kathleen and Patsy, who I never knew because he died in 1958, Rosella and Michael, John, Jim, Brendan and Bridget, who died as a baby. You know, they come every year, aren't you? They don't mind, you know. As long as the old home is there for them, that's all they want. Yeah, they're not too pussy. Louis, who lived with us until 1996 when he died, Thomas and Bernie. So, for as long as I can remember, our house has always been full of comings and goings. That's not too bad, I think. Yeah, there was 14, there was 15 born, one baby died at three months old, Richard. There's seven of them dead out either now, seven of the family dead. Eight of us left. Four, five of them in America, three sisters and two brothers. 
One brother Jimmy in Calvin Town, another brother Michael living in Valley Gym stuff. That's it, yeah. Uh, doing a few jobs preparing for the family they're coming today um, more or less straightened out but they'll be glad of a bowl of soup when they're all tired they come. married Huey in 1973 and uh, come to live here what seemed a small family um, Louis, Huey's brother Louis and dad Con and uh, it was very nice and quiet, but then I realised there were 14 more to come. But um, it was all great fun, and still is. And uh, we look forward very much to this couple of weeks every year when uh, we make it a holiday for ourselves. So Huey is out there at the moment, I suppose, doing the last sweeping up the leaves and generally tidying up make room for all the cars because we won't see the yard now after today we'll be coming and going all, from all directions and um, the neighbours coming in to visit them and uh, I stayed at home well until I uh, spent a few years in England too, back in uh, 56 I think I went to England and over there and spent a few years there and came back home then happy father in the land he was getting on him years, like, you know, and he needed a bit of help. And I'm here since. <laughs> but I'm not sorry to come home. I enjoyed England at the same time, but I'm glad to come home too. We'll have Manhattan, the Bronx and Staten Island too. It's lovely going through the I am um, the fifth, sixth, sixth child of Con and Kathleen, her parents, and there were nine more after me. I was the fourth, third girl, and every time a new baby was born, I was the little mama. And uh, helping mama, real mama, around the house and doing little chores and sometimes asked to help out on the outside the house as well. Kathleen comes home most years. She used to bring her daughters, but they have their own family now, so she just comes with her husband, Brian. We trade chores and we just have fun doing it. And Sometimes the chore that was traded wasn't done properly and I'd get the blame for it or my brother or sister would get the blame for it. And then there'd be trouble in the, in the camp. We'd have... Fun then fighting it out and trying to explain why well, I told him to do it and he told me to do it and this kind of thing went on amongst us. The old house was a neat little thatched house with two bedrooms and uh, we had uh, great memories there of uh, as children growing up. There was so many of us in each room and we had, we had to really pile up there, you know. And of course we would have our fights and... and uh, Sitting around the kitchen there, and, and that was the uh, the heart of the old house. They could probably living rooms today are, are the are the centerpiece of many houses now. But those days we didn't have a living room. We had the kitchen. The mum did the baking and boiling the potatoes uh, for the the pigs and all that. Uh, and uh, we would be playing and gallivanting around the house. And 
the work continued. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was neat and it was compact. And uh, I'm surprised how my mom was able, able to carry on with, uh, I don't know how many of us would be there at one time, six, seven, eight, nine children playing around and getting into trouble, you know. But uh, it was a neat house and we would have our Kayleys there and neighbours would come in and sit by the fireside, the open fireside, storytelling. And uh, there were great memories, really. And it was all too soon, really, that I felt that I had to leave and look back on, on those days and wish that I could have been around uh, for a few more years, at least until I'd get into my 20s or so. But then, looking back at it now, all the people, all the fellows of my age and the girls too, they were leaving as well, so. I can I can actually recall um, when a neighbour came to visit my mother. I think my mother was expecting um, uh, one of her, one of her kids at the time, and um, a neighbour woman came to see us, and she gave me sixpence. And... Um, my mother at the same time told me to go out in the field and chase the chickens out of the out of the oats, out of the corn. And, uh, of course, I clenched the sixpence in my hand and went into the oats, and the oats was taller than I was because I couldn't look over it. I had to jump up and down to see where the chickens were, and I was afraid of losing the sixpence, so I put the sixpence down on the ground in the middle of the field of oats, and uh, looked back to make sure I could find it. Took a couple of steps forward and uh, looked back, and of course I couldn't find the sixpence anymore. But I did chase the chickens out of the field of oats, and that was goodbye to the first uh, donation that was ever made to me. My mom was a hard-working lady, and she was a um, great mom, great family person, great housekeeper, great um, homemaker. She was a great mother. She loved us all, gave us all special attention at each different times. And would lose her temper sometimes and get angry with us and give us a little smack across the butt. <laughs> and she would uh, feel sorry that afterwards would make it up to us somehow. And uh, our dad was a hardworking man. He worked outside on the farm all day long. And uh, he would come in at night after a long day's work. We would sit around the fire, the open hearth fire, and he would tell us stories, and he would take us, each one of us on his knee, give us a little hug, and uh, put us to bed, and make sure we were all wrapped in, cuddled in tightly. And uh, he was very loving, very caring. I was looking at um, Con below. He came into the shop the other day. Con, con Smith. Young that, Con, uh, Daddy Con. My, cousin, my first cousin. Young, yeah. young yeah. He looks con, like your father. Young Con. Aye. In Calvin. Aye. And uh, when he was walking out the door, he was standing outside the door, and I thought it was me. I would have taken him to be my father that was standing there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time I see him, you're like me. Jim just lives down the road in Cavan Town with his wife, Teresa, and their three daughters. Kilnavara, still. Oh, that's He's a great man, Jimmy, to come to the bingo and laugh at. Yeah, he's a great man to get around. And he still comes to the bingo. He does. And he's got the place spick and span. I know, bet he yeah. has. He's got it everywhere. Oh, that would be like your father. Uh, yeah. Con was very tasty. Is that right? And this young Con, 
would be your father's nephew, be your first cousin. That's right. You? First cousin. Your first, first cousin, cousin, yeah. Larry's, uh, my yeah. father's brother, Larry. I wouldn't Larry. know Larry yeah. you're talking about, but he's your first cousin. Uh, that's what I mean. Uh, Larry was... Uh, and then Benny. That's right. Was the other brother, who went that's to America. That's your father couldn't be better than me. He was a great man, Conde. Great tasty water. What was it raining? It was drizzling there for a while, but it stopped. Well, eight of them went to America, one, two, and four sisters and four brothers. Mary was the first to go. She she left in, uh, I forget what year now it was, but she was the first to go. Then Connie and Cathy were next. Yeah, and one by one, then they moved over. No sadness, but then again, there was no work for them here, so I suppose there was no other option. Yeah. Before they went away, of course, there would be there would be a, a spree in the air, and um, during that, yes, during the time uh, before there would be a part in. Uh, it was um, um, great, a great occasion for us, but of course it was always followed by a sad loss of somebody leaving to go as far away, particularly at that time, to America. Uh, and it was uh, sort of a deep loss, uh, depending, of course, where you came and rank in the family, if there were a brother or sister that was next to you, of course, the loss was always generally deeper because there will be your closest buddy. Uh, I went looking for a job and there were no jobs to be found in Ireland in those days, not very good jobs anyway. Not having cars or anything, you had to walk to work or you had to ride a bicycle to work and the offers were very few, very scarce. And my sister Mary had been in America a year and a half already in New York and she wrote to my mommy and said, um, if Kathleen can't get a job in Ireland or close to, close to home, uh, I'll take her over to New York and she'll do all right in New York. So I said, well, I won't go to New York alone. I'm scared to go to New York. So I asked my mother if she would ask Connie to come with me. My brother Cornelius, we called him. We've since called him Connie. And he was working in England at the time and she wrote to Connie and she asked him would he be interested in going to America and he jumped at the idea he thought it was a great opportunity so he came home on holidays and then both of us got our visas and packed up and went off to America that October I graduated from school I finished school in June and by October 23rd we were on the ship to America I went to London and uh, never really never really liked what I was doing there although uh, it was an improvement over the work that I had in Ireland before I left. I still, it still didn't seem to be the end of my the line for me. I, I had aunts and uncles in America, and my older sister Mary had gone there a year before, and I'd, she she probably put the ideas on my mind uh, to come to America, and uh, it sort of left me unsettled in London. Uh, and uh, I decided that sooner or later I would go there the first chance. And that's basically how we ended up there, to visit my sister. 20 years old. I was 17 years old when I left Ireland. Three years in London. 
we went on the um, the Britannic, the uh, an English ship called the Britannic. It was uh, supposed to be, um, I think, a five day trip, but somewhere along the way, a storm arose on the ocean, and the sea got very rough, and um, we were a day and a half late, so it took us six and a half days. We left on October. T- must have taken us uh, seven and a half days. We left on October twenty third, I think. We left from Cove, County Cork, and we uh, reached New York Harbor by the Statue of Liberty on October thirty first, which is Halloween, I believe. And we had a big Halloween party on the in the harbor. We arrived into the harbor at, at I think around ten or eleven o'clock at night. Too late to disembark anyway. And the ship crew gave a big party, a Halloween party. And we celebrated Halloween on, uh, by the Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor. And the next morning, bright and early, we disembarked. And my aunt and uncle, my uncle Huey and my aunt Rose and my sister Mary met us at the ship and took us to their home. And from there on, it was get out to work and earn a salary. Well... Went to America, and of course, I met aunts and uncles. The cousin came to meet me, uh, uh, meet us. Kathleen, Kathleen, my sister Kathleen, came with me. And uh, my sister Mary took a day off from work one Monday to take me around in different, uh, different places to apply for jobs. But while I was waiting for her to get ready and have a cup of coffee in the morning, I walked down to the local supermarket. It was literally the first job that I applied for that I, I got it right away. So I worked in that business for almost 10 years. I uh, started off there as a clerk. And uh, after two years, went in the army, came back to the same place again, to the supermarket. Supermarket was good. It was guaranteed work. There were people, as I, the, the man who hired me said, the people would always have to eat, so there would always be work. And uh, although it wasn't what I wanted to do for the end of my life, so I decided to cop out of there and, and joined the New York City uh, Fire Department. At first I thought it would be an exciting experience, I would be happy and everything, but came the day of parting and saying goodbye, it was a heartbreaking experience. I thought I would never see my mom and dad again. It was very, very sad. I was very sad. I cried all the way to America on that ship. All the way. And it was very sad. And I cried, I think, for another three months when I got to New York. Until I really got into a job and got, you know, met new people and made friends and just got into uh, the groove of, of New York living and stuff. You know, it took a long time, but it, uh, we got there. Well, when I was working in the fire department, I would have side jobs. Our, our hours in the fire department gave us a lot of time off. And I had a limousine business at one stage, uh, landscaping business at another stage. And... Uh, then I would do some bartending work, and my brother Thomas was a bartender, so we decided why not buy a bar that worked for somebody, let us work for ourselves. So we bought a, a bar and we called it the Breffney Stone on the west side of Manhattan. After a while, uh, Thomas wanted to get into the music business, which he was playing, and he, spent more, he wanted to spend more time on that. So I took over the Breffney on my own, and I had that for about three or four years. Bought a building and I sold, I sold the lot and went into a new place with a new partner downtown Manhattan by the, by the Twin Towers. And uh, we had a ups and downs in the Twin Towers. We had a fire in the building. We had 
as we were dealing with the Wall Street crowd in Lower Manhattan, we had the ups and downs with the stock market, lean times and good times. And then uh, came 9 uh, 9-11 uh, was, of course, was a, was a great uh, shock for everybody, but um, particularly on the, the morning of um, September 11th, uh, my brother Connie, who had uh, who owned the bar uh, on the the border of the World Trade Center, across just across the road from it, O'Hara's Bar and Restaurant. He had been um, he had been trying to call me the day before, and I wasn't available. But he did. Call, he was calling me that morning to arrange um, a trip over to Ireland with for golfing, and I was organising the itinerary for it here. And um, he called me at about um, just at around the time that the the first uh, impact of the the plane had hit the the first tower, and uh, he had been out on onto the fire escape just looking around, and as he did when he when he normally called me, he'd go out in the fire escape in his building and uh, make a call from there to get a breath of fresh air. But he said that a plane had just hit the tower, and I I was walking in, I'd taken the call. In my house at the time, going in from my my business from my office to get a cup of tea, and uh, I turned on the television. <clears throat> Somebody had mentioned about an incident in New York. They heard it on the radio, and I put on the television, and uh, there it was. The plane. They were they were doing reruns of a plane crashing into the 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 twin tower, the one of the towers. And uh, at that time, Connie, Connie phoned and um, he says, all hell is broke loose. He says, there's, there's something, there's an incident there, plane is after crashing into the tower. And while we were discussing it, um, I was watching the reruns and I then I seen the second tower had been hit. And uh, Connie said to me, he says, I think I'm, I have to get out of here. He says, there's a, more smoke and explosion after taking place. Probably the fuel is after going off on the building blowing up and I said Connie I said the other tower has been the north tower has been hit and he says no no he says it's the south tower and I says no the north tower has also been hit and again he says no no it's it's it's, it's the south tower so I I said that the both of the towers I said are on fire and he says are you kidding I says no I said I'm looking at it on television right now and I says first I thought it was a rerun of the first one but then I looked and I could see quite clearly that the two towers have been hit and uh, he, it was just uh, f- out of his view. There was a large building blocking off that tower, so he couldn't uh, couldn't see the second tower, but he could see the smoke belching out of the first tower. And uh, he said, "You're damn right." He says, "I can see smoke coming from the other side." And he says, "I think I'll have to get out of here. There's all debris blowing around all over the place, and smoke and coming down in this direction." He says, "I'm going to get out of here." We had a fire station right across the street, and there. A lot of good friends that I knew in there because I was the next firefighter. And uh, I went out to see with everything all right with those people and I even walked to the Twin Towers, uh, to one of the towers, and there was nothing much happening. There was nobody in distress or anything, I guess. All the firefighters and emergency crews were going in. And I kind of wondered what was going to happen with them, what, how were they going to attack such a such a, a big scene and, uh, and the smoke that was coming out of that place and the heat, I'm sure, was, was tremendous. But as I walked back towards my building, I heard another crash. And uh, although I didn't see it, but I heard the boom, the second plane hitting. And uh, now people on the street were starting to panic. 
So I did take a lot of people into into O'Hara's and turn go inside because there was dust and papers and everything flying around in the air. We took those people inside and uh, it, it was fairly calm inside. A lot of places actually really full of people. And uh, then my phone started ringing. Uh, my brother Jimmy called me from Ireland and and uh, he almost knew more about what was going on. He didn't hear it, but he seen it on television. And uh, he realized there was a second plane crash. And then he informed me that another plane had come down in Pennsylvania someplace. So it was only about 10 minutes uh, after that that there was a terrific boom. This was really, really loud now. Our building shook and the lights went out and the windows broke and a cloud of dust just came right through the place. Now we had sheer panic in the place. People were panicking and they wanted to run out in the street, but unfortunately they wanted to run out the wrong door towards where all this was happening. And I'm trying to tell them, no, go out the back door or the side door away from it. We ended up putting some people down in the basement where it was, uh, where it was cleaner and uh, quieter. And after uh, I had some people down there, about 10 or 15 people, I decided, what are we doing this? You know, this is if anything happens to the building here, they're never going to find us, you know. So we just got everybody out of the building, and uh, I went, took a walk up to make sure that the, uh, there was nobody in the apartment, that everybody was out of the building overhead. We had nine apartments upstairs, and I uh, walked to the roof, and we had fires starting on the roof, paper fires. There was tons and tons of paper hood and uh, flower pots, photographs, everything that had blown over from the, from the Twin Towers. So uh, we put the fires out and uh, made our way back downstairs and decided it's time to get out of here. So I was the last one leaving the building as I walked out on the street and we made it about 15 paces up the street and we heard this other great boom coming and we decided to take cover so only afterwards we realised it was the second tower coming down. But that was one beautiful morning, like a clear sunshine. September, you couldn't ask for more perfect weather. About 80 degrees, I'm sure. And that beautiful morning just turned into jet black, where you wouldn't see your hand in front of you. So I lay on the street for about uh, maybe 10 minutes or more. Every time I would open my eyes, my eyes would get full of dust and dirt. And I waited a little longer. Finally, I looked up and I could see a little light up on the horizon. And I decided it's time to move out of there because all these all these crashes and things seem to be happening every 15 minutes. And I decided to get out of there before the next one would happen. I made it two blocks up the Broadway. And there was people there with lots of water. And, uh, and they poured me with water, kind of washed me down with bottles of water and uh, took me into the building. And uh, it was starting to clear up a little bit, but it was just white powder all over the place. I made my way down to Battery Park. I figured I'd get some fresh air coming in from the uh, the ocean breeze. And after about 15 minutes, I got my wits together. I made it over to a pub I knew called the Harbour Lights. And uh, I was able to make a phone call there and uh, let my wife know that I was okay. But uh, I think maybe by that time, an hour, an hour and a half had elapsed since the towers came down, and I was missing, I presume missing at that stage. I probably walked about two miles up to the ferry to catch a ferry. All transportation in Manhattan had stopped. Uh, I couldn't get on the ferry boat, but I got on a tugboat, which took me over to Jersey. And when I got to the far side, or crossing the river actually, I was able to look down the river and, and see 
the two towers were missing and the cloud of smoke still coming out of there. And it was really a weird, uh, a weird feeling. It was just hard to believe that those two, those two graceful buildings were not there anymore. I got to the other side and uh, there was just mass confusion over there. There were buses coming in, but I just jumped on the first bus I could get to get out of there. And I went to the end of the line on the bus. And then I called my wife. I finally got home at 11.30 that night. So that's my recollections of 9-11, and they weren't happy ones, and uh, probably the worst day of my life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Every year, Mommy and Daddy have Mass for the deceased members of our family, and this year they had it in their house. Into our world, and into our lives, and into this house, and asking God to bless each one of us in a very special way. I'm amused at having the Mass at half-time in the soccer match. I remember one time out in America, we arranged, a, some friends of mine asked me to do, baptize their child. It was only when I got there, I realised they had it arranged for half-time in the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, a, party arranged before a lot of the neighbours so from Lack and Duff and Liz Henry came, such as Ellie and Brother Gerald from down the lane, Connie and Anna, Gus and Kathleen, Kitty and Michael and a few others. A time to remember those who have gone before us, I suppose, especially Con and Kathleen Smith and all the deceased members of the family. But it's also a chance to pray for Hugh and Molly and all who are gathered here and all of the extended family, asking God's blessing on them and on this house. Nice and the house. Nice in the house. Yeah, just to celebrate the family home and to remember all the members of the family who have gone. Molly, Sir, and Hughie have Yeah, so we're making a bit of noise, but... It was all part of the kitchen. Yeah. I don't know, but we'll have a little hooli dancing, you know, it yeah. could be. Yeah. Yeah. End up to an all-night party after the Mass, wouldn't it be yeah, great? It yeah. That's our old-time celebration, you know? That's special. Yeah. That's special. Yeah. Yeah. That is the best one. Yeah. We pray for Betty and Tommy Kelly and family who are not with us tonight. We ask you, Lord, to grant them peace and health and happiness. Lord, hear us. Lord, hear us. We pray for all those who are here on holidays. We ask you, Lord, to be with them and grant them a happy and safe and restful time. Lord, hear us. I'd like to ask for prayers for my daughter Patricia's friend who is seriously ill with uh, three small little children under the age of six years of age. And she has terminal cancer. Lord, hear us. I'd like to mention Molly and Huey and all our neighbours and friends that make us so welcome every time we come home from America and make our stay here so enjoyable. And may it be alone for a long, long time. And uh, <coughs> make our homecoming for many years to come a happy, happy events as they've done in the past. Lord, hear us. We went through a 10-year bad spell of, of 
sadness in our families. <clears throat> well, first of all, of course, losing mom in 1971, I think it was, and dad some 10 or 12 years later. But as parents get older, I suppose that you you miss them and it's sad when it happens, but when God takes them, but you kind of accept it because they're getting on in life and we're getting on in life. But to lose a younger brother or sister is very traumatic, it's very sad. So, of course, John was the first one in our family to pass away after Patsy, of course, Lord of Mercy, and then he passed away back in 1960. And uh, in 1992, my brother John passed away. I think he was 47, 48 from, he had got lung cancer, and he passed away. And that was a terrible experience for all of us. He was the favourite in the family. I think everybody loved and worshipped John, even our children. When John died, I was about 17, and because he was one of the younger members of the family, it had a huge impact. The first year after that, we all went to John's apartment in Florida for a Christmas family reunion, and looking back, it was so special because the year after that, Mary died, and then Thomas, and then Louis suddenly, who lived with us, and a few years later, Bernie died. Now, by now, we were kind of numb and and didn't know what was going on and kind of uh, didn't know why this was happening to us. So that was the start of us all really making a big effort to get together. We would um, go there then for the next three years. We would go there, all the whole, as many members of the family could go, nieces and nephews and all, you know, the close, close family members. For the next three years, we did that. And that was the beginning of our really getting close together and going on holiday together. We now have the blessing. The Lord be with you. And also and also with you. Let us bow our heads and pray for God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his light shine upon you and may he grant you his peace. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit come down on all of you and upon this house and remain with you forever. Amen. Thank you very much, so, I think on behalf of, of all the friends, if the Latin go brigade, we are so happy to have them all together again, and we want to say very, very welcome. And to let Father know that uh, only for them we mightn't have an amplification in the chapel, but we mightn't have a then comfortable seat at all from the front, so oh, thanks yeah. to the Smiths too. Oh. So. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Daddy, Daddy Marina said it's a long time since you were an altar boy. <laughs> <laughs> we as a family with our neighbours and friends really enjoy ourselves when we get together. After all these years, people know who to call to sing, and Michael never forgets who sings what. This is Molly, was a wild woman. Hughie doesn't know this. I took her out one night. I took her to the green one night. Oh, yeah. Again, it was a fancy ball. And the tickets were two and six. I think now that, that was all. But when she called for supper, sure, she might have knocked me down. For all I possessed in the wide, wide world was only a half a crown. It is a homecoming, no matter how long people were away. 
uh, it's a homecoming and I think that that is um, one on one occasion it it, uh, it struck a note when uh, we were myself and my brother Connie uh, was on the, on the golf course in Cavan and uh, somebody knew him very well came up to him and he says hey Connie Smith you're welcome home and uh, the other three guys uh, that were two guys that were playing golf with remarked afterwards and said hey that that was nice um, when somebody you've been away how many years and he had been away uh, over 40 years and they, they thought that it was unique that um, somebody could walk up and say welcome home but it, it is home and uh, it, it probably always will be and a nice glass of brandy to begin, an awful lot of whiskey hot. It's, it's like a warm feeling just to come back home. It's hard to explain. It's just something you look forward to. You never, you never lose it. It's just something built within your heart that you just want to uh, keep coming back. Keep coming back and seeing everybody. The neighbours, of course, all have their own. They're, 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 they all have a... a, a an incredible, varied personality basket. Uh, Ellie would be my, certainly would be my second mother. And as far back as I recall, um, Ellie would uh, would always be there. There was always a second place to go to, particularly if you were in the bad books at home, if you had uh, got a slap of a dishcloth across the face for doing something bad, uh, the first comment you'll make is, I'm going up to Ellie's. There's Michael Michael Smith uh, would be just from the next town land. And Michael again would be um, an incredible character. Where his stamina comes from we don't know but uh, I think I'd try to match him up with anybody else around. Michael would be a party, a party animal. After we had all been called upon to do our party piece, it was now Michael's turn. Has find out by man. I take the day for what it's worth and do the best I can. Since no one cares, I rush for me what need to make a moan. I go my way and draw my pay and smoke my pipe alone. Each human heart must know its grief, though little be its known. So God be with you, Ireland, and the old. Bye. 
neighbours were expecting that Michael would fall off the chair. Now that I'm older, I really appreciate nights like these. Songs are shared, stories are passed on and childhood memories are revisited. Well, Daddy might have taken down the flags, but I'll be looking forward to driving in the lane and seeing the two of them, Irish and American, standing ten foot out of the ditches next July. Don't you cry for me. I came from Alabama. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.